Welcome to the CE Pro Podcast. I'm Executive Editor Arlen Schweiger. You know, I saw that this week marks the 24th anniversary of when VH1 premiered Behind the Music. This week on the CE Pro Podcast, we go behind the music of the CE Pro All-Star Band. That's something that our resident guitar god, Bob Archer, has been heading up since the days of the Electronic House Expo, EHX, and in recent years at the Cedia Expo. He digs deep into industry band members' musical influences and personalities on this week's podcast. As always, be sure to subscribe to CE Pro's YouTube channel and hit that like button on our videos or subscribe to the CE Pro podcast on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Hi, I'm Bob Ancher, Senior Editor with CE Pro Magazine, and today I am happy to be with the CE Pro All-Star Band. Today, rather than talk specifically about the songs and the set list we're going to play, I want to have everyone in the audience learn more about the band itself. We have members of the industry from across the spectrum. And um, I'd like to introduce these guys to you, their companies and what instruments they play. And since I'm looking at Vince on my screen right now, <laughs> Vince, could we start with you? Sure, uh, my name is Vince Luciani. I'm the senior sales engineer with Surgex. And uh, I know Bob, am I, a founding member of the band when we did it back in in 2011 is that would would you, would you consider me that yeah you and Minch. yeah i would absolutely say that yeah. expo you bet right yeah yeah uh, that might even be 2010 as a matter of fact i think I it was 10 yes i think you're right i think you're we right did it for a few years down in florida yeah, yeah. Okay, and so um, you work for Surge X, and what instrument do you play? I play guitar. Uh, there's there's a lot of guitar players in our band. I see Richard's on on the line here today too. Hey guys, and of course, uh, with, with 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 Bob, actually, we have a couple. We kind of have a, a, we have plenty of guitars in this band, so it's it's uh, it's it's great because uh, uh, you know we have a lot of guitar oriented tunes. But I was really digging last year when we added the, uh, or two years ago when we added the horns. What a what what powerful uh, feeling that is to have a big horn section behind you. Okay, that and you provided me the perfect segue. Let's let's go to the horn guys. We'll start with um, Rick first. Hey, <laughs> uh, I'm Rick Santiago. I'm with uh, Indie Audio Labs uh, brands Accurus and Aragon, and. Um, I play uh, saxes. Um, I mainly play tenor. I will be possibly playing alto, and I probably won't pull out the soprano for this gig, but I do that other places. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been playing for many, many years. Um, I'm a weekend warrior, like a lot of us. I play for the love of it. Uh, it's not, you know, I wish I could play full time, but I'm not quite at that like top echelon. Um, but I love doing it, and um, I play mostly jazz but some r&b and i play in big bands and i do some church gigs and i do a little bit of everything so <laughs> awesome thank you rick shane could you um give us your uh company and your background a little briefly sure yes my name is shane rich i'm the technical director for rbh sound and i play trumpet um i played uh uh, ever since I think fourth grade, uh, uh, really got into uh, initially classical, um, studied with some of the local symphony members, and I, although really enjoy jazz, um, 
some of the my my father was a trumpet player still is and was one of the big influences in my life um started trumpet lessons with him uh eventually um of course played in college and uh, uh and then i joined a military band and um yeah so i i play you know off and on gigs uh teach private lessons uh but i, I enjoy any time i get to play my horn Awesome, thank you. And so we'll, we'll pick back up with the guitar players. And Jason, I'm looking at you right now. If you could uh, provide a bit of your background and who you work for. I'm Jason McCraw. I work for Emerald. Uh, we manage the CD Expo. I'm the show director for the show and um, been to the show many, many times over the years. So I'm excited to uh, come to the show working on it uh, from this perspective. But uh, also, you know, started playing guitar when I was in middle school, uh, you know, played in some bands in college. I was also a sound man, you know, we record live shows of bands, host open mic nights, those kind of things. Uh, many moons ago, I haven't played in a band in some time, but I have a full setup in my basement and uh, crank it up almost every weekend when I can. And, you know, they always yell down from upstairs, hey, turn that down uh but uh it's fun and uh still still enjoy it keep wondering whether or not i should you know get my my wig my cowboy boots and my bolo out for the show but uh i think i'll go with this for now we could look to add some t-rex down the road or something <laughs> yeah i was thinking about that yeah all right wrench rounding out our guitar players if you could provide your uh your name your company and what instrument you play Sure. Uh, my name is Richard Charshan, and my company is called Acoustic Smart, and we specialize in doing private cinema interiors. And we've actually worked with Steve Haas over the years, uh, who's playing with us now. Uh, and uh, and I play lead guitar, and I play rhythm, and uh, whatever else they let me do. <laughs> so, uh, but but I've been playing for a long time. I've been playing since I was uh, a youngster, and I've been in various bands over the years, and. But uh, playing with these guys has been uh, is has been a great love because uh, you know it's it's not very often that you get together and, and not just a, a nice group of guys, but guys that don't have any egos and that the fact that they actually do the homework and then when you get together and you'll have one practice and then you actually see it come alive, it's it's like a remarkable thing that we did. And uh, so just because of that, I, you know, you know, I love all the camaraderie and what we're doing here. And then when we did that virtual uh, video, that was also pretty wild because uh, nobody knew what the other guys were playing. And uh, so, I mean, playing with Vince once, you know, I, you know, I took a chance and I figured, all right, I figured Vince, you know, probably be doing this. So I tried to do something different. So we wouldn't be doing the same things. So we wouldn't step on each other. And when it came together, it was like, uh, it was kind of crazy. It was, it was remarkable. I, I, I couldn't <laughs> believe how, how we had just chose the right uh, yeah. different guitar parts. You know, yeah, It's like we kind of just from playing that one time, we kind of knew each other. And then when Mitch did the mandolin, that was just like, that was crazy good, you know? So, and then, you know, just everything, the way we all played together, Rick with his horn parts and the arranging. And it was like a group of superheroes coming together, you know, and, and then, uh, you know, just making it all happen. But uh, yeah, so this year we, we have, you know, me and Vince have a lot of challenging things and we went over a couple of things and uh, and uh, I think we get the chance to play because I know Vince is probably working his ass off and so am I 
you know, it'll really come together nicely, you know, and it'll be a, a really nice surprise, you know. You guys were awesome, I got to say. Truly awesome. Look forward to hopefully playing this fall. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's the big question, isn't it? You know, we see what's going on over there, and you know, and, uh, you know, considering all the hours we all put into it, you know, I'm just hoping that we get a chance to play with what's happening. You know, it's a little, it's a little freaky right now. <laughs> Okay, um, I want to save you for last since you're the bass player. No disrespect to bass players out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to that. That's that's quite <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're gonna go. We're gonna move on to keyboards now. And Steve, could you provide your company name, background, and I kind of gave it away. What instrument you play? But uh, what instrument you play? <laughs> sure, sure. And uh, I'm Steve Haas, uh, CEO of SH Acoustics, and this is my first time up at Bat with the all-star band i'm thrilled i've been uh, listening to the rest of you guys for in the last two or three years other than last year i'm only virtual but uh yeah i'm very excited i've been playing keyboards since age seven my grandfather was a concert pianist uh, in europe and us and i never really took to classical a whole lot but everything else rock pop jazz blues soul funk you name it um i, I really love playing I've, I've played all through high school and college and lately i've been about three or four different bands uh and duos and trios uh, my current band is a yacht rock themed band so for those of you who know what yacht rock is it's uh pretty fun stuff to play and challenging too. channel for that isn't so it? i think it sounds uh, yeah. so what was that there's like yeah. a serious exactly there's a serious channel for sure <clears throat> Yeah. De definitely. So uh, that that is that's my story. I'm going to be playing keys and uh, trying to contribute a bit of background vocals as well here for the group. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Okay, Minch. I guess if you could close uh, this segment out. Sure. First of all, Steve, it's really great to have you on board here, and. Thank Darn, you. I hope we get to play together at some point. Rick, on your side there, if you ever need a bass player in a big band, I mean, I used to play the upright in a in like a full blown like what is a fourteen piece jazz band. So, That's cool. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, so I'm a bass player, but uh, I actually started off. Here's news: I actually started off as a drummer, and I never actually told you guys this. And there were just so many drummers in the band, so I said, "All right, I'll play guitar." And I picked up guitar and started playing guitar. And then all of a sudden, there were so many guitar players. I said, okay, we need a bass player. And that's when I picked up the bass. And then we needed a mandolin. So I picked up the mandolin. So there's a consistent theme here, which basically says, jack of all, master of none. And it's uh, really great to play with you guys because everyone takes their piece very, very seriously because we know we're going to uplift each other and none of us wants to let each other down. And it's just... Phenomenal. I remember the first time we practiced, uh, what is it, probably three years ago now? Yeah. And just we just started off the first song, and it clicked right out of the gate. Just blew me away, and I think uh, we will continue doing that. So looking forward to playing with all you guys. So, so Mitch, uh, when, whenever uh, parents come up to me and say, hey, uh, you know, w what, what instrument should my kid play? I say, tell them to play the bass because they'll always have a gig if they're a bass player. Stars <laughs> are dime a dozen. You'll never get anywhere on a good bass player. But bass player, you always have a gig. 
That's you know, cool. the other thing is I played clarinet too in, in the, uh, the regular mm. high school band and there were like 14 clarinetists. And uh -huh. I remember, uh, the band instructor asked if anyone had ever played bass clarinet. And of course I raised my hand, I'm getting out of here. There's so many freaking clarinetists. And he <laughs> called my bluff and he said, okay, go ahead and go grab one out of the music room. And I'm like, what the hell is a bass clarinet? But anyway, you can, it actually ended up pretty good, but yeah. I was in that closet opening up all these different cases till I found what I thought. Such a super job, of course. <laughs> Did you hold it for him? Okay, guys. It looks like we have uh, Dave Silken online. Um, Hi, guys. Dave, Dave is also I have a, a, I have a special guest. <laughs> is that hey, guys? Buzz? It's Buzz. Mitchell. Hey. Robert. Hey, you doing, Buzz? Hey. I'm doing here. Well, you know, we're we're trading bottles of wine here in Long Island. I apologize for my lightness, but I got a surprise guest today. I'm the one that held him up. Nice. So I'm going to see you guys all in, what, three weeks, right? Count on it. That's yes. Easy, wow. Even yeah. if it's just us, we're going to be there. <laughs> it might be. Have a good one. Take Thanks care, for buddy. doing that. Or if I rehearsal. Sorry, guys. Uh, no problem, Dave. Uh, thank you for hopping online. Dave, um, we were going over uh, um, our backgrounds a little bit, and um, we'll close things out with you. Uh, Dave, could you give us a background? Um, what company you work for? What instrument you play? What company I work for now? Yes. That would be uh, DSG Distributors and Digital Sales Group Metro. And I play bass. Okay. Um, all right. So that was nice and succinct. Uh, <laughs> what else would you like to know? Uh, where are you based out of? New York, Long okay. Island. Okay. Awesome. All right, guys. Um, well, actually, you know, I have to tell you that me and Dave are now working together the last uh, couple of months. We've, uh, We've uh, we're on the same you know team and we're we're kicking ass actually you know I've richified my showroom. <laughs> we got like a whole bunch of seating there. We got a theater lined up and we're we're doing More stuff coming. Yeah, we got a lot of cool stuff coming. So uh, we've been working together now for uh, since like May or June or something like that. That's awesome. Since since then it's been great. Yeah. So. Okay. Um... You know, you know, I want to start in reverse order this time with my first co real question here. Um, can you tell me, Dave, what inspired you to pick up your instrument, in this case, bass, and who are some of your early influences as uh, a beginner bass player? I was uh, in fifth grade. I was a guitar player. And um, we had another guitar player and a drummer, and we were watching television and we saw uh, the Beatles play and they decided since I was the only one who actually had a job at that time that I should become the bass player because I was the only one who could buy a bass. So that was pretty much it. I went out and bought a bass and uh, started playing and I never looked back and I'm a much better bass player than I was a terrible guitar player. Strings are much too small, big fingers. You know, um, and I mean McCartney was my first influence because that's what we were listening to we were like a beatles cover band back then there wasn't tribute bands but i guess we were the first beatles tribute band in our neighborhood and um i started getting turned on to a lot of progressive rock so i was chris squire was always a hero of mine i could never figure out how he could play those rhythms and sing at different times and different tempos and stuff it was pretty amazing 
And I liked Getty Lee. I thought he was really good at the same thing. Uh, and then I got turned on to R&B, and that was kind of it for me. Once I saw, you know, the Brothers Johnson and I saw Louis Johnson slapping like that, I was like, yeah, I want to do that because I never really liked playing with a pick. I like playing with my fingers and I like playing percussively. And so, you know, I was watching him and Stanley Clark and Marcus Miller and guys like that. And those are like my main influences now. I still follow those guys wherever I go. I got to see um, Victor Wooten, uh, a little private show with him at NAMM two years ago. Uh, at the last name that there was. And that was that was a game changer for me. I wanted to really go home and throw my bass away. But, uh, you know, guys like that are, you know, guys who just sit and play, you know, eight hours a day, seven days a week. You know, they can do so much more with their instruments. You know, we're all kind of trying to feed our families and make a living. And so, you know, if you get a little playing time in, you know, you're like, yeah, that was really good. And then you see a guy like this, and you go, holy smokes. You know, it would take me 150 years to be able to do that. You know, but, uh, you, you know, there's a lot of great bases come a long way because, you know, it was just kind of guys playing on the two and the four back in the 50s and the 60s. And, you know, you hear a lot of bass players now and they're playing a lot more rhythmically, you know, stuff that's kind of going along with the guitar players and they're filling in and doing lots of stuff. So we're kind of getting out of our lane a little bit and playing out a little bit more, which is nice to see for a bass player. Um, but I always kind of like being a, a pocket player, you know, sitting on the sitting around with the drummer. That's, I love playing with Tim and with Jim because they're also pocket players. So it makes us very easy to, you know, not rehearse for a year and then show up for a gig because you kind of know where they're going to be. And so that's, you know, I, I like that stuff. I like playing sitting in the rhythm. And that's why I like R&B because it kind of just flows around, gives you a lot of openness to do what you want to do. How did I do okay. well? Okay, uh, we'll, we'll move on to our other bass player, Mensch. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, like Dave said, right? I mean, without the drums, without the bass, you guys are nothing. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. <laughs> right, of course, I knew, I knew, I knew that. Um, kind of similar story, but you know, in terms of bassists, I was really, um, guys like John Entwistle for The Who, I mean, oh my God, when you listen, to the creative bass. And the thing is everyone listens to Roger Daltrey, but if you actually listen to the bass player, I mean, oh my God, he's, he's incredibly creative. Another one like D Murray. I mean, you might oh, think like uh, Elton John. I mean, he was so freaking creative in yeah. terms of what he did, what he did, what he does with the Elton John band. Um, you mentioned Paul McCartney. There's another one. It's like with those three bands, they don't really get the bass recognition that they should. And the bass really carries not just the beat, but actually takes lead in many cases in terms of the way that uh, the music is interpreted. So uh, bass is definitely a lot more, like you said, and Dave, than, than doing a walking bass on jazz, you know, from the uh, upright or just doing the two and four or anyway. So I'm gonna let the other guys talk a bit, but um, Bass is just such a cool instrument that is so undervalued and underrated. Okay, thank, thank you, Minch. We'll, we'll move right into the guitar area and we'll start with you, Ranch. Um, who were some of your early influences? What inspired you? It's weird, like I'm like all over the place. I mean, I really started off listening to like a lot of Johnny Winter, you know, uh, like in the early days, a lot of blues, you know, cause first you start off with blues and then you go into jazz and then other things. And, uh, 
and I was really into like, uh, you know, I went through a heavy metal period and then I went through, uh, you know, a soul period. And then I went through uh, uh, even classical. I took classical guitar when I was in college and we used to do like uh, trios, you know, and things like that. And that was real interesting for me because everybody's doing something totally different and then it all comes together and it's just the synergistic thing. And it was very interesting for me. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I grew up listening to all the bands from the seventies, the eighties, and I had an older brother. So he turned me on to like deep purple, you know, the made in Japan album. And every song was like 14 minutes long. And I remember like, I really didn't know what I was doing back then. And I would just find any song that didn't have a guitar player or bands that had songs that were like 25 minutes and just make believe I was part of the band and just like, you know, do my thing and you know I can try to find my place within the group or whatever they were doing and I used to do a lot of that when I would come home from school and that was like my two or three hours before my parents came home and I would borrow my brother's guitar and uh, which he never allowed me to do and then you know he would find that there would be a broken string or there'd be sweat on the neck and he would pound the living hell out of me you know and tell me not to do it again and then of course I would creep into his room again when he's not around and take his guitar. So part of the reason why I started playing was because my brother didn't want me to play and touch his guitar and that made me want to play with it more. And also my brother was a player and I wanted to show him that I can be just like him, you know? So that's kind of how the whole thing started. And then in my school, I had all these great guitar players and some of them went on, you know, to become pretty well-known guitar players. So everybody was sort of like trying to find their way, you know? But then after a while, I realized there's always going to be another great guitar player, you know, so I, I concentrate on writing songs and, and forming bands and try to create my own music, because I always figured there's always going to be somebody better than me lined up. So I always try to think of what's best for the actual song. And I always take it from a songwriter's type of perspective instead of just, you know, just going off, you know, and, and, and I think when you're listening to everybody playing around you and everybody finds their own space, like with this band, we all really listened to one another. And right from the get-go, it was like, it just locked, you know, locked into place. And that's kind of what I what I love about this. Like, me and Vince were talking and, you know, just, you know, talking about like that Molly Hatcher tune, you know? And I remember seeing those guys years ago and I never thought in a million years that I would actually ever play that tune because back then when I was a kid watching that live on stage, it was mind-blowing to see that kind of a thing. And now here I am for this all-star thing, like, putting that song together, you know, trying to figure all that stuff out. And I finally did, Vince. I, I you know, actually did figure out my thought on that. But I was like, and, and when I was, was done doing it, I was like, I can't believe I'm playing this thing. And I remember seeing them, like, in the early 80s, opening up for the Outlaws, and nobody knew who they were, and they blew everybody off the stage. You know, so that's one song I'm, I'm looking forward to playing because – that's not, you know, Dreams is not a song that you hear many people play live. So that was like a real interesting pick, you know? And then we have a couple of other really cool things with the, you know, with the horns and and uh, we're doing that Humble Pie tune, which is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, the Beatles songs that we selected were kind of, you know, not the norm either. Like back in the USSR, you know, hear a lot of people do, especially with the horn section. And I think when we did that last time, that really went over well. And then me and Vince worked out the harmony guitars and, we just said to each other, like, you take the whole, you know, like, I'll take the low and then you take the high. And then we came in and then, you know, you know, Rob Archer was in place. Everybody was in place. Rick was in place. And it was like in one practice, it was just awesome. So uh, and then as far as, you know, influences, I mean, 
you know, it's, it's funny, like every single year it changes, but like, I, you know, like I love growing up listening to Peter Frampton. And I remember that he said that he was influenced by West Montgomery, you know, who was like a jazz guitar player. So I used to like listen to like a lot of West Montgomery to see where Frampton got all his octave playing and all that crazy stuff. And then with, uh, with Van Halen, you know, he was influenced by Alan Holdsworth and all these other guys. So then, you know, you listen to what they're influenced by, and then you start listening to what they grew up on, and then you sort of, you know, try to hone in on that and say, well, that's kind of cool. Look at what this guy's doing, you know. But, uh, you know, and that's and that's kind of, you know, and now it's like I'm just sort of, I'm like a chameleon to whatever is given to me because I, I, I kind of, like, if I can be Southern, you know, learning how to be Southern, I, I just want to do what's best for the actual song. You know, so sometimes that I, I don't even know, but it just it sounds like me anyway. But you know, we all try our best. You know, I don't think anybody uh, knows what they really sound like until you actually hear it, and then it's laid down. And... Yeah, Rich, I'm telling you, we're going to do Outlaws next, right? <laughs> There's some really great guitar looks there. You and Vince don't even mention Greengrass and High Tide. I don't even have I don't have that much time in yeah, the day with, that. with with a one hour set. We could do Greengrass and High Tides and maybe one other song. So yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that song is just that's treacherous. Oh my gosh. Okay, uh, uh, Rich, thank you. Uh, let, let's move on to um, Jason. Jason, what were some of your early um, influences and what inspired you to pick up the guitar? Well, uh, I originally started playing the guitar because I was in a folk group uh, with my dad at church, you know, and, uh, you know, learned the basic chords, sang at church on Sundays. And uh, I had a friend in that group who was a few years older than me and He's like, he played a lot of other stuff. So I'd hang around with him and he'd be like, Hey, and then, you know, I took a class in uh, middle school and high school, a guitar class. And then uh, after that, you know, it was, it was playing in different bands and uh, you know, I played in cover bands. I played in uh, um, a lot of little clubs around town, you know, periodically, but then, you know, the, the interest really was more creating your own material, you know, writing your own songs, um, you know, when I was growing up, you know, early days of, of U2 and uh, Bruce Springsteen and, uh, you know, some of the bands already mentioned here, but also Rock and Van Halen, Kiss. Um, I still listen to a lot of that stuff today, hair metal, uh, you know, like, um, you know, I found as I've gotten older that um, I like maybe less distortion than I used to uh, back in the day and enjoy uh, a lot of clean playing. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, there's nothing like creating your own, you know, coming up with corporate aggressions, writing your own lyrics, creating your own song, that type of thing. And um, I really do appreciate, you know, listening to all types of music that have uh, guitar in it, you know, appreciate especially songs that, you know, have great melodies and harmonies and arpeggios and, you know, where it's well-crafted, well-produced. You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, I used to record live shows and that was always the thing I enjoyed the most was trying to come up with a great mix, you know, because oftentimes, you know, live on stage in a small club, it can be really loud. And so I'd mic everything, you know, and I'd want to, you know, make sure that you captured uh, what everybody was playing and then putting it together. So, I totally uh, appreciate that, you know, everyone has a role and a band to, you know, put it all together to have, uh, you know, a great end result. And uh, more than anything, you know, music is a feeling, it's an emotion, it's, it's connecting and conveying and communicating with uh, 
an audience and it's also very personal we all like all different types of music and i think that's that's great i think it's exciting to have a group like this with so many different influences and coming from different places not only in the country but just getting together and have a love and passion for music and sharing that uh with the audience at the show so i'm very excited uh for the opportunity to sit in on one or two songs and uh more than anything, I'm excited to hear the whole group and uh, for our attendees at the show to really get the, uh, the benefit of that. So happy to be here and, and very supportive of, of everyone. And so I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Jason. And we'll close out the guitar players with Vince. Well, Jason, you know, uh, just to kind of, uh, uh, you know, go off of something that you, you mentioned, you know, the connection with the audience. I, I love the connection with the band and I get, I get a, you know, people tell me a lot whenever I play live, it's like, why don't you look at the audience? It's like, cause I really don't care about that. <laughs> I'm, I, I love, I love when there's that connection between the bass player and the drummer and you're just grooving and it's just all about what we're doing. And it's like, if you guys want to listen to what we're doing, you're have at it, but I'm not really here for you. I'm really kind of here to be with these guys. So, uh, uh, sometimes it works out for me. Sometimes it doesn't, but, uh, I've been playing for a long time. Like, like, you know, most of us, right. You know, it was that thing that, that, uh, uh, you know, that we've been doing for such a long time and we got our 10,000 hours in, and now we're at a stage where, you know, we're at this perfect crossroad of, of the songbook that we grew up with was awesome music, right? So all this stuff that we, so when we got together that first time, you know, we talk about how easy it was. Well, we've been listening to those songs for like 40 years, right? And we, you know, they're ingrained in our heads. We know it's like we, we and so it, was, it, it is kind of easy to get together. But, uh, you know, my influences early on, you know, I, uh, I have to credit my sister. She bought a guitar and there was a guitar sitting in the house, a, 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 a beat up acoustic. And my best friend, Gary Cosby and I, uh, his dad taught us the cowboy chords, all the open chords down at the bottom. That's where we started out. And then I heard stuff on the radio. It's like, oh man, Van Halen. That, like, wow. That, you know, that I want to, I want to play like that. And actually, Steve Miller was another early song. It's not like I'm a huge Steve Miller fan, but I remember I wanted to play a Steve Miller song, and uh, you know, um, saved up my money, got cheap, cheap, got cheap equipment, and then uh, saved up more money and got good stuff. I had a Les Paul and a Marshall in high school. It's like, I don't know what else you want, right? When you're, when you're, uh, when you're a high school student and, um, and uh, started taking lessons with a, uh, a, a very a great uh, uh, guitar player in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. His name is John Wheelis. He turned me on to a whole new world. I was, I was playing three chord rock and he's like, well, you know, there's other stuff out there. And he turned me on to the progressive rock scene. And I said, well, what should I be listening to? And I, to this day, he, he wrote down 20 artists that I should be listening to. And I still listen to those guys to this day. John McLaughlin, Alan Holsworth. Uh, um, uh, uh, oh, gosh, you know, I'm, you know, Mike Stern, you know, just all, all these great fusion players, uh, uh, you know, and I and actually if, if there's a particular genre that's in my wheelhouse, fusion is what I love the best. You know, the mixture of jazz and rock playing jazz, uh, a chord uh, uh, construction using rock instruments and uh you know my my current list of uh, of, of guys that i pl that i listen a lot to osnoy and wayne krantz and 
uh, Jimmy Herring is a great player, and I just I went on a on a binge over this weekend of a, a Warren Haynes government mule kick. I just love I just love uh, uh, you know just just um, you know those guys have found a way uh, to 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 use these musical patterns, these you know these scales that they taught us all these long ago, and they turn it into music and musical ideas. And I think that's the that's the that's the the step that I think we're all striving for is to 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 turn these scales into into musical ideas. So that's that's my story. I'm a, I'm a, I love jazz. I love listening to jazz. I wish I was a jazz player, but um, you know, so I, it's it's that it's that distorted tone that just gets me going and gets me motivated to play. And uh, I love the clean stuff too, you know. But uh, I need a little bit of grunge to get that. Uh, <laughs> need a little, a little, a little of this guy, you know, get, get just a little edge on there, you know. Nice. <laughs> Who's your favorite jazz, uh, jazz guitar player? Like, are you an Al Dimiolo fan, or are you? Uh, you know, I, I love Al Dimiolo, but uh, for me, Pat Metheny's the, the the guy. Uh, yeah. Pat Martino, Pat Martino was on the list. He's kind of in that more in that on the on the fusion uh, side of thing. But, uh, uh, but, um, Jeff Beck when he, when he, oh, yeah, oh my God. yeah, I mean, the thing, you know, people ask me, oh, who's your favorite guitar player? It's like, ah, oh, don't get me started. I love so many of them. It's like, don't, don't ask me to pick one. There's, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, we've, we've been graced with so many wonderful players, you know, uh, across the board, not only guitar players, hell, Chick Korea, we lost him yeah. this last year. We, you know, one of my favorite musicians, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, being a pianist or a keyboard player, uh, but um, you know, you know, I I I had the the opportunity pre-COVID, went up to uh, the Blue Note during Chick Corea's. He did five weeks at the Blue Note, five four or five nights a week, every three nights a different band for five weeks, and it was his. I'm going, you know, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to invite all my friends that I've jam that I've played with over the years. And I went to the fusion, the three nights of fusion. So he had John McLaughlin, uh, Victor Wooten on the bass and Lenny White on the drums. And they played both uh, Maha Vishnu tunes and uh, return to forever tunes. And it was just, That's uh, cool. that'd be like a religious experience. It was, <laughs> it was great. What was really cool was in the audience, you could tell, were all these musicians? Jimmy Herring was in the audience. The the Roots were were were, were they? You know, it's like all right, it's like oh, you know, it's like, you know, players came to go see these guys because this, yeah. this was the real it's deal. Like being in school, it's like being in class. Yeah, that's amazing. Sorry, Vince, but I was gonna say, uh, moving on to our horn players, Steve. We'll save you for last, but uh, moving on to the horn players, Shane. Who were some of your early influences? Yeah, so <clears throat> interestingly enough, my uh, father played for a rock band back in the 70s uh, as a horn player. And so I was introduced at a young age to uh, groups like uh, Chicago, Blood, Sweat and Tears, uh, Tower of Power. Yeah. Um, you know, all those those groups that had a lot of horn lines in them. And uh I, I love that music, um, and uh, while I didn't get a, much of a chance to play that growing up, um, it, it's great to be able to play it whenever I can. So I'm really excited to play with this group and do some of 
uh, some of the arrangements with horns uh, that we're doing, uh, you know, the blues stuff. Um, I mean, jazz was a big thing uh, in in our house. And so everything from um, big band jazz, like Stan Kenton, big band, to, of course, trumpet player specific type things like Maynard Ferguson, um, uh, Chuck Mangione, um, uh, more traditional jazz like Freddie Hubbard, uh, later on Wynton Marsalis, uh, those kind of artists. But uh, yeah, I, 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 I really love it all. And uh, uh, anything with horn lines is, uh, of course, my cup of tea, what I listen to the most. But that being said, I've been exposed to a lot of other great musicians because my dad was a real hi-fi nut he owned uh, a macintosh system you know the amplifiers speakers um and so it, he was just big into listening to music uh everything from you know um let's say weather report uh you know groups uh, pat metheny uh you know all, all the the big jazz people, um, he was just, you know, I, I counted a blessing that I was exposed to so much. And then, uh, of course, classical was a big thing uh, in my youth and that I basically studied as a classical player uh, growing up through high school, but then got introduced to uh, big band, jazz band type uh, playing at that point and have had some really great opportunities to to play with musicians like even like Doc Severinsen and people like that. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I just I really look forward. This is a little bit different. This group that we're uh, we have here is a little bit of a different experience for me. I'm new to the group, and so I really look forward to playing with you guys and and hearing you jam. I I heard you a couple of years ago at CDM. And I, I was just, I was really blown away. I was really impressed with your musicianship and uh, just how well you guys clicked together such a short period of time of playing uh, together. So happy to be with you. Excellent. Shane, thank you. Um, Rick, could you provide some of your uh, early musical influences? Sure. Um, yeah, I think I... Uh... I got into, uh, I think I got into jazz first, and that's probably because I played sax in high school. Um, and, you know, you kind of, as a saxophone player, you, you tend to gravitate and, you know, wherever it's being used. Uh, and so at the time, it was really popularized in things like Spyro Gyra. Um, yeah, it was about the film. I remember listening to some of those early vinyl records yeah. and, uh, just being blown away by Jay Beckenstein and, and all the stuff that he could do seemingly effortlessly. And um, so I loved listening to that. And then that kind of um, kept me going in more towards a fusion direction, I think initially, um, which was interesting because growing up in high school, rock is the big thing. So I'm kind of crossing over between jazz and rock with what I'm listening to, even though nobody else I know is listening to what I'm listening to. <laughs> but uh but it was interesting. I was um, I went to college and I, I played in, in there and I started playing with the jazz band 
but I really didn't know what I was doing for a long time. I never had formalized lessons or anything. I was an ear player pretty much, you know, just copying recordings and stuff like that. And uh, I, uh, I, gave, uh, I gave a short stint as a nighttime DJ at the college radio station. And our motto is, it doesn't matter, nobody's listening, right? So, uh, so I couldn't give away, in a period of an hour, I could not give away two tickets to this unknown group called Chick Corea and his electric band. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I might as well go. <laughs> That's and that blew me away. And that just, I fell in love with that group, the whole, everybody in that group, you know, Weckle and Patitucci on the bass and obviously Chick and then Eric Marienthal on the sax. And um, I just followed them for a long time. I'd buy the transcriptions and I'd try to work through some of Mar Marienthal's transcriptions, you know, with, you know, mixed success because he played some really complicated stuff. Mm. Um, but I was on that kick for a long time. I started uh, playing with some other friends in a small group combo environment. We tried to do electric band stuff. And because that stuff was so over our heads, uh, we kind of backed it down and then um, a guitar player in our group said, hey, I can get you a real book. And at the time that was like, ooh, you know, that's that's kind of illegal. But, these, you know, this is where the gold is. Right. So I got myself a real book and uh, yeah, it was one of the unauthorized ones. Right. So but I, it was like, wow, this has all the standard tunes written out. I can learn them and I can learn the changes. And and so that was, you know, the beginning of kind of getting into more trad jazz i guess traditional jazz and so i used to play with um some small groups and then we started getting gigs around restaurants and bars and weddings and things like that and uh and then in in college i played in the big band um graduated and then um i went to uh before i was with indie audio labs i was with sure microphones up in chicago for many years and i i loved uh, that job and that environment because it's a whole bunch of musicians and so you know in the holidays and things like that we'd always have jam sessions and concerts for the for the employees and um, so I got to play with you know Tim Veer doing rock versions of of you know you know Christmas tunes and things like that and so uh, um, and then I played with some big bands that had like small horn sections just for like you know uh, almost like an R&B format type thing. So um, influences and, you know, as a horn player, you obviously listen to Coltrane and Bird if you're into jazz. Um, I really liked Henderson, uh, Joe Henderson and uh, Houston Person and Dexter Gordon, some of the real full tenor sounds. Um, and that's why I tend to gravitate towards tenor. Um, and then, um, you know, I mentioned Marienthal and, and uh, um, uh, obviously, you know, uh, some other ones that I saw, uh, that have really blown me away would be, you know, Brecker, obviously, uh, Brecker is just a no brainer. If I want to, if I want to chill and just listen to some great jazz tenor sax, Brecker just blows me away. He was so amazing and virtuosic on his instrument and, uh, and, and actually a contemporary guy now, uh, Eric Alexander, um, he's a guy that, I first saw back when he was starting his career back in, you know, early 2001 or so. I saw him down um, at the Village Vanguard. Um, and I remember it distinctly because it was 
uh, right around uh, just after 9-11. So we were down at the Vanguard and, and New York was sort of in a weird state at the time. Um, but I saw this young kid named Eric Alexander and he just blew, blew my mind and he went on to record with everybody in the jazz world and he's had a, a prolific career. I had a chance to take a lesson with him in Chicago uh, when he was playing at the jazz showcase down there. So uh, I got a little bit of tidbits from him, but a um, lot, lot, of, lot of influences, a lot of jazz, uh, quite frankly, but also a little bit of church playing and, uh, you know, improvisation being the common theme, I guess, and all that stuff. Um, I've, I, I don't have a lot of formal training, but everything I do is by ear and I just keep trying to listen and play along and, and, and play better. So that's kind of my story. <laughs> Rick, if you thought New York was in a weird state back then, you should come on back. Yeah. <laughs> we got a surprise for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, clo closing this this question out, Steve. Um, what were some of your early musical influences? Well, as I said, I started playing around seven, and I got exposed to a lot of different genres of music, uh, from you know rock, pop, jazz, soul and such and then show tunes uh got into school and i actually started playing saxophone tenor tone sax so it gave me the opportunity to play uh in concert bands and marching bands it's hard to march a piano i'll tell you um so good good thing i actually was playing sax i'm not great on sax but much better on keyboards fortunately but uh certainly it exposed me to a lot of different types of music that i wouldn't uh, normally listen to in all honesty, though, I really didn't get inside the music until really my adult years. And even to this day, uh, in other words, I, I learned the music, learned a lot of great songs and, and was able to develop my skills, but I uh, never really thought about other than like lead piano players like Billy Joel and Elton John who were really out there. Uh, I never thought about the John Lords, you know, even what John Paul Jones did in Zeppelin. Yeah, I'm really discovering that over the last you know, decade or so, just how amazing that stuff is. Um, when I had my concertino uh, acoustic enhancement system, I was able to bring top level artists uh, into my facilities that I designed in my own studio. And it was just great being exposed to them. I, I developed a marketing relationship for a number of years with Steinway. So getting to not only hear, but really interact with a lot of fantastic Steinway artists uh, was just such a blessing to me because it, it just really allowed me to appreciate what that level of talent is. Um, you know, thinking about other influences, uh, Donald Fagan, Steely Dan, right? I mean, such, such great music, uh, the, work, the work he's done, even bringing Michael McDonald in on a lot of things, not just vocally, but but thinking about what Michael has done on keyboards and now with my yacht rock group, it really fits very well with that. Um, somebody mentioned Southern rock. You know, I've um, always loved the Leonard Skinners. That's why I was so, uh, so disappointed that those songs are not going to be played this year, but maybe next year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with, with Billy Powell there at Leonard Skinner, even Chuck Lavelle on um, uh, the Allman Brothers, uh, everything that he's been doing with them. It's just such great stuff, such great stuff that um, I'm really appreciating now learning and, and perfecting there. So again, to be able to play with all you guys, you know, I've learned how to play with one guitar and learn how to play with two guitars in a group. It's going to be fun trying to 
fit myself into a four or five guitar group, but I'm sure it'll be awesome. <laughs> okay. Th thank you, Steve. Gu guys, we're running short on time. So I want to finish up with one more question. And this is a two-part question. If you could briefly answer this. And this is, what instrument are you going to be bringing to CD or Expo 2021? And uh, the other half of the question is, if there was one piece of gear, we'll make this a bit nerdy. If there was one piece of gear that you would ever want to own, like for a guitar player, it would probably be like a 59 Gibson Les Paul or something like that. But if there was one piece of gear uh, that you could ever own, what would it what would it be? And Steve, we'll start with you. What are you bringing to the expo? And uh, what's that one piece of gear that you aspire to own? Mm -hmm. Well, I am bringing uh, one of my workhorse keyboards, a Yamaha MOXF8. I'm actually shipping it out because we couldn't find one locally. And I really take pride in all the sounds that I create for it. So I'm taking the risk <laughs> and shipping it out. And, and it's going to be great to, to do that. Uh, one of the pieces of gear I've always wanted to own is right behind me here, my guitar. So uh, um, a, a Roland Edge. I always wanted so, one of those two. What? I always wanted one of those two. Yeah, you know, got to compete with your guitar, the guitarist up front a little bit. So yeah, that, finally got one of these and just trying to figure out how to play it with four hands like I usually am with my boards. <laughs> so next year, then we got to do Frankenstein so he can do the keyboard parts like the way, you, mm -hmm. know, does it, you know, you carry it and you, you know. Exactly. Cool. <laughs> or got a batch yeah. from Chick Corea, yeah, right? a lot of fun <laughs> stuff. Yeah. stuff right there, yeah. Okay, uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to the bass players. Dave, uh, what piece of gear are you bringing out to the gig? And is there one bass that you would love to have? Uh, I'll be bringing my hazmat suit. That's the uh, most important piece of gear I think I'm going to bring this year. Now, I'm going to bring my, my Ibanez Roadstar like I brought last year. Uh, Mitch and I actually shared that last year. That's, that's, my, that's been my road bass since 1984. And uh, it, it hasn't gone out of tune once. So it's pretty nice cool. base. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, and as far as gear, I always wanted the uh, Stanley Clark Alembic bass. Yeah. You know, I, I watched him play it when I was young, and that sound was always amazing. Um, I just, I don't know why. I just never, never came, got around to buying one, but uh, someday, when he says I will. Okay, Minch gonna bring uh this baby with me here it's my uh customized fender precision uh not, not like to travel with it before but i got a nice soft case for it so it should be okay and like dave said that alembic i mean there's one for about 18k that would be my go-to uh, i've also always wanted to play a rickenbacker but i understand it's somewhat limited um but yeah i'd be all over that alembic Dave. i'd even share it with you we can go in you know, maybe we should, uh, yeah, you can get a couple of the guys and we'll do like three months a year. Right? <laughs> yeah, awesome, Unity base, yeah. Okay. okay, okay. we'll move on to the guitar players, starting with Vince. So uh, I've got some travel uh, challenges. Um, uh, our, our youngest is uh, going to school. He's going to be going to Cal Arts. And his move-in date is the day after uh, Cedia. <laughs> so I have to fly from Indy out to California to move him in. So I, 
instead of lugging a guitar around, our good friend Jeff Gardner, since he's a homeboy, is going to lend me a guitar. Uh, so uh, so I'll be I'll be uh, I got a lot of different uh, 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 guitars to choose from here at the house. Um, uh, so I'm going to go with a Strat. He's going to supply me with a Strat because Richard, I think, is bringing more of a, a solid uh, an LP. So we'll have a you know kind of a, a, a different different sounds. And and Bob's uh, he's got another. Actually, Bob, what are you bringing? Are you bringing a? a yeah, I, I I put this out specifically for. Uh, oh, okay. So all right. So a Charvel. Charvel, yeah. All right, excellent. Yeah, so uh, cool. So we'll see. Uh, you know, on that one, you know, playing a, um, you know, you know, guitars are, are are very personal instruments. So I hope, hopefully, I uh, I can uh, bond with it quickly. Uh, but as far as a piece of gear, you know, I know it's easy to like buy a pedal to do this, but I want a real Leslie cabinet. that's what what i want but it's so impractical it's so stupid to get one you get a pedal to make but when you're tough to travel with eh? you know yeah very tough to travel with yeah Yeah, i definitely know the feeling vince yeah okay got a simulator one vince uh wrench uh what instrument will you be playing and what piece or what uh instrument do you aspire to own so um, I've been playing. Oh, that, we're, yeah, we're, this is a guitar question, isn't it? <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so I'm going to be bringing my Gibson Les Paul, the same one I used last time, just because Vince is playing the uh, Strat. I also own a Strat too. Uh, and as far as gear goes, I mean, I, I try to keep it simple. You know, I, I try to. You know, I, I will bring my pedal board because we have a couple of things that need delay and other things that are. Uh, I was talking to Vince about, so I'm going to bring it this time around. Uh, but normally I try to keep it simple so that I, I let the amp sort of do its thing. I've always wanted to play through a Mesa Boogie. That's been like a dream of mine. So the fact that I'm playing through one, thank you, Rob, is sort of like a, a dream come true. So that's worth the trip alone. Um, as far as on my wish list uh, for guitars, I've been looking for a, like a white SG with like a whammy bar. You know, uh, very old school. They're very hard to find. You know. Oh, you mean a Bigsby? Yeah, it's 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 hard to find a good one. And as far as something cool, I've always wanted just for the hell of it. I've always wanted to get a, a Thurman. You know, you know, like if you guys oh, know what that is. The Thurman there. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, you do. I was like, you know, just to do like a little bit of that. You know, like on you know, a whole lot of love. You know, like what you know, like what uh, Page did. I just thought that was so freaking cool and uh you know maybe do it like the middle of a song just because it'll just freak people out because it's just so out of place and so weird you know that's like the only thing that i've always said you know that would be kind of cool to try to do that and a talk box is you know like is another fun thing to do yeah okay, okay. I'll, uh, thank you bring up my theremin patch on my keyboard for you rich so you can <laughs> feel the awesome, awesome. Okay, well, um, we'll uh, move on to horns. And Rick, uh, what sax do you play? And is there a sax that you would long to own? Well, I'm actually pretty fortunate. I, I own uh, a pretty good one. I own a, a Mark VI tenor from Selmer. Uh, it's original Paris Selmer from uh, about 1969. That's my tenor. Um, my alto is a early transition era uh, balanced action 
um, from about 1939. And I picked it up at Roberto's on uh, 42nd Street, New York. Um, uh, so I've, I've got some, some nice saxes. I'm pretty good in that department. Um, the two things I've always wanted is what, you know, years ago, I, there used to be some stores around where you could go in and you could play like 10 different mouthpieces and, 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 uh, find just the right tip opening and, and construction and, you know, beak shape and all this kind of stuff. And those places don't exist anymore. And you just can't, get that experience a b testing on amazon or anything like that so i i kind of wish i could find a store like that here in indiana maybe it exists and somebody will send a comment or something but um and i guess the the piece of gear that i've always wanted to own is that i kind of want to play with an iwi you know um and uh you know jay beckenstein used to mess with that it's such cool sounds you can get out of it but I'm I'm an electronic guy and I'm a sound guy and I know that if I got my hands on an Ewe that would be a major time sink. <laughs> so I'd be I'd be gone. <laughs> so I'm kind of it's probably a good thing I don't have one of those. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, Rick, thank you. Shane, how about you? Uh, yeah. What, what do you play and what do you aspire to own? So I play a Yamaha um, professional trumpet a large bore um it's sort of an older horn i've had it for oh about 30 years but uh it's just i haven't played anything else i like better honestly um and i i play a warburton mouthpiece uh it's a has a separate rim and shank so it's really adjustable i have several different cups and rims and that allows me to play all different kinds of music from from classical to 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 jazz to you know studio type stuff um get a brighter sound so uh yeah if i were to have my choice uh, i'm going to agree i would go with some kind of electronic valve instrument in fact um uh, I've always wanted to play, it was called the EVI, Electronic Valve Instrument. Niall Steiner uh, came out with that as essentially electronic version of the trumpet. And and I know, you know, there's some newer instruments out there now, uh, Yamaha and others make that, uh, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd really like to try something electronic just because you can get so many different sounds out of it. It'd be neat to to uh, meld a, a, a wind instrument with some kind of uh, synthesizer type uh, instrument. Awesome, thank you. Guys, I wanna thank you for taking time out of your day to speak uh, with me about um, you know your backgrounds in music and about the CE Pro band, about the upcoming CD or Expo gig. And I look forward to seeing you all in Indy and playing with you um on september 1st thank you and have a great day thanks guys thank you thanks um see you soon guys good to see everybody bye bye everyone